I'm meant for something bigger than what I was doing. I'm meant for something greater. Like I just, I just felt it. And I kept telling my husband, what I'm doing now is just, it's not me. Like I know I have the potential. I know I can reach out to more people. I know I can help more people. I know I can connect to more people. So there was like this inner thing in me that was like, you know, go for it. There's a difference between a dream chaser and a dream catcher. Thanks all for tuning in to Dreamcatchers, where we make things happen. Dreamcatchers was formally launched to unlock the hidden potential in successful, self-motivated individuals who desire to take their life's work to the next level but need support to evolve. We are a collective group of professionals with various backgrounds that use our talents to assist those individuals in realizing their wildest dreams by providing education, inspiration, and direction. This podcast is where we share the lessons we've learned along the way to catching our dreams and give you some context around the how and the why to each approach to put you further ahead on the journey to catching your dreams. Are you ready? Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Dreamcatchers podcast. I'm your host, Jerome, and I've got the pleasure of having Esther Rises with me today. Esther, how are things in New York? Things are going great. I'm pumped to be here. This is outstanding. Before we dive into the show, if the listeners want to get in contact with you, what's the best way to do that? Okay. I am on LinkedIn as Esther Rises Lowenbine. I am on Instagram, I believe, as Esther Rises Lowenbine. If not, it's SC Lowenbine. On Facebook, you can find me on WhatsApp. You can find me all over social media. Twitter is not so good for my health, so I cut that out. (laughs) Oh, no. The tweets are bad. I, I, I don't... actually do that very well yeah i don't like politics all that much so she's got a huge following guys she's got like 20 or twenty-five thousand people on linkedin so you absolutely need to check in and connect with her and i am just so grateful that our paths cross i think yona weiss is our mutual connection and so it's super exciting to connect with you and you know for those folks who don't know i always wear this shirt it's called I took the red pill on it. This is a phrase, I took the red pill on it. And people ask from time to time, what's the red pill? And it's our framework for a centered life. And so there are six areas to that. The first one is self-image, relationships, work, health, prosperity, and significance. And so the show is going to follow that today. And so the first thing that we want to talk about is how you became who you are. And so like, what was your life like before you started catching your dream, Esther? Okay. Oh, it's a long loaded question, loaded answer. Um, I am, um, I'm formerly a speech language pathologist talking about career wise. Um, and I switched gears and I went into the real estate world recently. Um, and I am not looking back thrilled that I did. So, um, how did I get started as a speech language pathologist? I had a brother that was um, that had a lisp, and the speech therapist would come and work with him. And I was super curious, and you know, I wanted to learn about what she was doing. And she helped him remediate his lisp, and that like really got me embarked on um, a career to become a speech language pathologist. And I loved that job, and I still do. I was doing that for about twelve years. And I would work with children. And then one day, for many reasons that I'll discuss soon, I decided to shift gears and go into um, my real estate career. Wow. Okay. Okay. So 
like speak fast probably just go to school for a pretty long time. I feel like I need one today. I'm stumbling all over these words. So you decided that as a child that you wanted to go do speech orthology, then you went and did all the schooling and then you came out and worked in the career, right? Or no? Yes, I actually went to Turo College and then I went to Adelphi University to obtain my master's. Then I went back for another half a year to obtain my bilingual, actually trilingual certification. So yes, I spent a lot of years in school, um, but I'll, as I'll explain soon, I have no regrets. Wow. Okay. So you do that, you start working in it and you love it. So why on earth would you change and go do something completely different? Because I mean, what you do today does not require all that schooling for sure. Right. Oh, such a good question. So there's so many answers to that question. So I'll, I'll start with some. First of all, I was working with children in a school. I, I lived in Brooklyn at the time, and I was seeing students with one agency and one school back to back. So the cases worked out. You know, I was seeing students, I had my schedule set, and it was relatively easy. But then I moved to Rockland County, New York, where every agency got cases all over in random places, and I'd have to travel from house to house. And I was like, huh. The only way I'm traveling from house to house is selling the homes and not working in them. So that was like one epiphany. I'm like, not happening. Um, second of all, as my kids, I have a bunch of children on my own. And as they were growing and reaching the age of the kids that I was working with, it became very difficult to work with children and then come home to children. I needed that more professional work environment. I needed to, I guess, work with adults or see adults at some point. I couldn't work with kids and then come home to kids. It was too draining for me. So um, that was another reason. And then a third reason was that my husband, I'm married to this wonderful, wonderful guy. He's, we're married for 17 year, years now. Um, he's phenomenal. He treats me like a queen. And he would spoil me to no end. He never asked me to go to work, even as, even as through my career as a speech-language pathologist. Never once did he ask me to go. He'd always discourage me from going to work. He's like, sit home, relax, chill, take it easy. And I was like, no, I guess by nature, I'm very driven. And I just couldn't sit home. I'm not that type of person. Um, so, yes, I went and obtained my career in speech language pathology. And then, you know, but still, that's not enough to, it's not enough money to, um, to feed an entire family of, of our, like ours. He was working very hard. We had this joke between us that we were in a workshop. He would work and I would shop. All I did was swipe the credit card. <laughs> and, uh, and we were both fine with it. He was fine with it. I was fine with it. And then one day I'm like, I just don't know anything. Like, I literally don't know. To the point of when we bought our house about four years ago, I didn't know what a mortgage was. And I'm not kidding. I did not know what a mortgage was. I was not involved in the process. I let him take care of everything. He was taking care of all the finances. All, all I was doing literally was just swiping the credit card. I didn't know how to pay a bill. Um, I learned how to fill up gas, you know, and then one day I'm like, I just need to be in the know. There are a few like, I guess, red pill moments that um, what you call red pill moments that I was like, I had this, you know, thing that popped up in my head and I'm like, I really need to know things because my husband's, thank God, he's in the business world and he's doing well. Um, but one day I'm like, you know, I realized that every single job that he's doing is heavily dependent on him. 
And, you know, you start thinking as your kids get older and you have to start like making decisions and planning. And I was like, you know, everything is so dependent on him that God forbid, you know, we hope everything stays good. And but we always have to have a plan B and be secure for the future. You always have to have, you know, you always have to have a step ahead. And I was like, I need to start learning things. I need to start knowing. I need to start growing. I need to start learning how to pay bills. Um, you know, learning just the basics. And so I started just talking to people, listening to podcasts, and I've been on a roll ever since. Wow. Wow. So, I mean, literally you got what the fairy tale for a lot of little girls is, right? Like they teach them to be princess and then they'll just always be taken care of. And all they have to do is kind of be there and the man goes and does everything. But you realize that like that was putting you at a disadvantage, right? If something happened to him, then everything would go away. Is that right? Yes. I also had like this lack of sense of security to a certain extent that I'm like, okay, I have eight children. I, we're, they're in private school. So eight children in private school, just do the math. It's um, 130 grand a year, just there. I could put down a mortgage every year. And then, you know, just to feed them and then to marry them off one day, make barabas mitzvahs. You know, that's a lot of money. So yes, as things were going well, things were going well and things are still going well, but I'm like, we need to be really secure. We need to have that cash flowing, um, you know, income that's going to be there regardless of what work we put in. Okay. And so you start to make this transition and your husband's busy. I'm sure he's working really long days. Kind of who showed up to help you out? Like we're moving into the relationship piece of the program now. So like who showed up to help you start making this transition or did you just learn everything from like podcasts and books? So it's a very good question. And I thought about this a lot, you know, especially lately as I got more advanced in my career, I actually had people reaching out to me to ask me if I could be their mentor. And it got me thinking about who got me started, who was my mentor. Looking back, I can't think of anyone. I really can't. And I think about how I got into real estate. I don't even know how, how that happened because there was nobody in my personal life that was in the real estate world that I was able to look up to and say, hey, you know, I want to be like that person or you know, I admire what they're doing or they're inspiring me. I had nobody like that. So I was just thinking back about this the other day, and I don't even know where this came out of. I guess I'm a very um, people person. I like to connect to people. I like to meet people. And I just one day figure that maybe like commercial real estate can, you know, maybe it clicks for my personality. I get to meet people. I get to know people. I get to network. I love learning about people. I think, I think it suits my personality. <laughs> so that like kind of got me into this. I, ne- I don't have anybody that I can say, that helped me get here or that inspired me to get here. I think it was just totally on my own. Wow. Wow. Okay. And so you started meeting people and connecting with them. Maybe who was the first one or two people who helped you figure out that, Hey, this can work for me because you've had a pretty crazy rise. And I think you've done more in like six months than some people have done in their entire career. So like, Early on, were there some people who you chatted with and you're like, oh, yeah, I can absolutely do this? Yeah. So as soon as I started out, when I went into, when I moved from Brooklyn to Rockland, I needed that change. There were also like some other issues that really made it, forced me to make that change. I hit rock bottom. Maybe I'll talk about it one day or write about a book. I'm trying to muster up the strength to talk about that one day. 
Um, but that was like a, you know, my real red pill moment that got me into saying, you know, saying that I need to do something more than what I was doing before. So I went into the uh, Keller Williams real estate office in New City, where I live. And I told her, I want to go in. I told the, the um, broker over there that I walked in. I'm like, I want to go into commercial real estate. So she says, no, you need to start with residential. So I'm like, aren't they two different animals? So she says, um, yes, but you have to start with residential. So I said, you know what? Okay, I don't mind learning that as well. Let me go ahead with the residential um, aspects. So I got into that and I started, you know, just making connections, friends, family, neighbors. And I really feel like it's a matter of trust. People started trusting me. I'm, I'm trying to be as transparent and honest as possible. And, um, you know, through those few connections that I made, um, you start talking to people and they're like, oh, do you know of a warehouse? Do you know of a hotel for sale? And slowly but surely, you have one happy customer just referring you to the next. And I think that snowballs into an entire network of people wanting to work with you because they realize that you, you're transparent, you're honest, you work hard, you don't stop, you get the job done. Um, so I think that's how I grew my network. Yeah, yeah. So that's perfect. I think referrals are the best type of business, right? Because you don't have to sell to people. They come to you already sold. And now it's just a matter of you delivering or executing against the promise that you made. And so was there a point in talking about the Red Bull moment? Was there a point? Was there a specific transaction that happened? And you're like, this is it. This is what I'm going to do for at least the next five, 10, maybe the rest of my life years. So it's very interesting. I've done pretty well for being a rookie um, in this business for about, let's say, three and a half years. And I've transacted over $300 million in commercial real estate, um, raised just in the last eight months, $30 million of capital. So, you know, I yes, these are big numbers, but I don't, I don't look at it like that. I just look at it like I'm doing what I love. I'm having fun doing it. And the big deals and the small deals get me just as excited because I'm just enjoying the process and um, doing, you know, just I really love the hustle as well. So I just feel like I'm doing what I love. I don't feel like, okay, then what's the next step? What's the next step? You know, till where are we going to go? I'm not aiming for a specific number. Like people ask me, what are your goals? I'm like, I don't know. My goals are endless. I have, I have no set goals. I don't have any number in mind that I could say, hey, you know, this is where I'm stopping at. I'm just enjoying the ride. I'm enjoying the, you know, meeting people, getting to know people. I make connections along the way. I make some money along the way. You know, I have no set number in mind or goal in mind. I'm just flowing with it, loving it, loving the hustle. And um, I do this as, as a hobby. So that's how I look at it. I don't know how on earth this could be considered a hobby with the type of numbers you're talking about. But I think that's phenomenal that you're not bounded by goals. I recently got introduced to this concept where it said basically that goals hold you back and that you should just continue to go in the flow, as you just talked about, and enjoy the ride and not be so caught up in actually hitting the numbers, but 
be caught up in the process and enjoying the people you're working with and the things that you're doing. And so for me, that would make sense that when you say, hey, this is just a hobby, it's it's activity. I think David Messler talks about that a lot. He's like, there's activity I get paid for and activity I don't. And I'm just doing activity and I like getting paid when I do the activity. So is that similar? Is that kind of the same thought process? Totally, totally, totally. Yes. It's interesting. Like when people reached out to me at, like in, the, in January 2021, they're like, what are your goals? What do you aspire to do in this coming year? Um, you have to set attainable goals and measure them. I'm like, uh, you know, I, I don't know. I don't know what my attainable goals are. I have no set number. I can't give you a percentage of how many deals I'm going to do. Okay, if I make more than, yeah, I hope to make more than the year before, but you know, whatever happens, happens. It's, you know, you have to enjoy the process. Um, I'm also very lucky that I can do this. I'm not dependent on my salary. So I feel like that's giving me an extra edge and being able to stay relaxed about it and enjoy the process. Right. And the other piece of that is the pressure, right? People make it so they got to do this by this and then they get, they get smushed, right? They get, that pressure gets overwhelming. Yeah, I also feel like people that are that have that pressure, they often do things that are not necessarily, you know, the right way. They go about business, you know. They're that I, you know, I I don't judge them because they have that pressure that they need to provide or whatever the case is. But they, I, you know, I can do things the right way, legally, morally, and I'm not bound by any pressure. So I think that I have that advantage in going forward in a very relaxed way. And yes, there are times that not everything is fun and dandy. I don't love filling out documents and writing contracts and checking them over and all the nitty gritty stuff. But yeah, that comes with it. You know, just we just do it. I move on. And then I, I focus on the uh, things that I enjoy about the business. I love meeting people. I love getting to know people. I love transacting. I love the hustle. I'm also very competitive. So within myself. So yes, I want to get to that next number, but uh, without, without any specific goal in mind. Got it. Got it. Got it. Okay. And so we've already kind of went into this, but I want to dig a little bit deeper on it. So have there been any challenges that you faced along the way when you've made this transition from what you were doing to what you do now? Oh, good question. Uh, Here's a heavy loaded one. Um, So when my sixth child was born, uh, my Morty, this is about five and a half years ago, he was born with um, vocal cord paralysis. And um, he was in the hospital for about four and a half months at birth. And things were super, super challenging. I had five other children at home. I was living in Brooklyn at the time. My son was in Manhattan in Columbia University. Well, he was transferred to many hospitals. Times were very, very challenging. I was um, after birth. um, So, yeah, hormonal and whatever. And my son was in the hospital and it was... And I didn't always agree with the methods the hospital, you know, went about things. It was just, it was more than one hospital since I mentioned the name. <laughs> but things are very, very tough, put it that way. He ended up receiving a tracheostomy. Um, he received a G-tube. He had two hernias. Long story there. I wrote about it and I plan on writing a book one day. Pushed, it pulled me down so hard. Um, I was like struggling with five kids at home, a baby in the hospital. And I felt like I had to be in the hospital the whole time because there were times that I came into the hospital and I saw things that 
I was like, if I wasn't there and watching that child 24 seven, he would not be here today. They were, you know, not to blame everything, anyone, but um, there were situations that I realized that I need to be there. So I was totally torn apart between my children at home, my child in the hospital, running back and forth, hardly able to recover after giving birth. Yeah, finally, after four and a half months of hell, um, I always say that it's a miracle. I'm still normal. Uh, like psychologically, I thought I was going to lose it. Um, he finally came home and I was very excited to have all six kids under one roof. Um, but that didn't end the challenges. He still had a 24 seven nurse taking care of him at home. He had a ton of equipment. Every time he went to a doctor, it was like literally filling up a car with, um, the trach, trach to, um, suction tube and oxygen and we literally it was like a, he his um, life took over my life and I everything revolved around him so the other kids lost out and I didn't have a life I was busy like taking care of him even the nurses that we had so many of them didn't know how to take care of the tracheostomy and this is like life-threatening um, stuff and I had to overcome all my personal fears and and challenges and literally step up and be there for him like i'm a person that can't even see blood and here i was suctioning his inside of his trick it was it was torture it was like beyond beyond hell and that really like changed me that really turned me into a mama bear i was always like this obedient girl like listening whatever the doctor said yes you know and here i'm like i stood up i started defending my child i'm like if i'm not gonna do it and nobody else is. Yeah. So that really, that situation really got me to muster up my strength and really stand up for my kids. Yet at the same time, um, I suffered a lot from it, like psychologically. Um, I, have, I haven't spoken about this ever uh, live. So this is a new thing. Um, really got me like pulled down and, you know, but I chugged on with life. I had another two kids and I think, and I never went to seek help, which I should have done. And after two kids and moving to Rockland County and so many other aspects that one day I'll have the guts to speak about, I became very, very depressed. Um, it was like dragging on from his situation and a combination of a, a bunch of things. And I really, really hit rock bottom. Like it was, it was bad. It was really, really bad. And at that moment I was like, I, you know, I was like, it's either staying in bed or I have to muster up my strength and do something for myself, my husband and my kids. They didn't, you know, they didn't deserve this. They didn't deserve a mother like this. I was absent. I was, I was there, but not there. And um, one day I'm like, if I don't get myself together, you know, this is going to be bad. But circling back to the fact that I went to school all those years, everything I learned in school as a speech language pathologist, I practiced on my son. He was born with the exact conditions that I was trained to work with. Speaking, eating, breathing, feeding, everything I learned, I practiced on him. So when people ask me if I went to school and wasted all those years and then switched careers, God has a plan for everything, really. Everything I learned, I have no regrets because everything I learned, I practiced on him. It all came into, you know, into play when, when he was born. 
So um, no wasted years there. But then um, getting back to that sunken moment and I was like, I kept on feeling like I'm not reaching my potential. I wasn't happy with myself. I was like, I need to, I, I'm, I'm meant for something bigger than what I was doing. I'm meant for something greater. Like I just, I just felt it. And I kept telling my husband, this, what I'm doing now is just, it's not for, it's not me. Like, I know I have the potential. I know I can reach out to more people. I know I can help more people. I know I can connect to more people. So there was like this inner thing in me that was like, you know, go for it. And it's not in my community. It's not a common thing. It's not a popular thing to do something that's out of the box. But then I'm like, you know what? I don't care. This is me. This is me. I, I'm different. I'm not your typical mother out there. You know, I have a kids. I love being a mom, but I love being an entrepreneur. I love the hustle. I do this. I, I love it. I do this as a hobby. I do it for me. So when people also ask me, what's my why? Okay. Yes, there's a why, you know, you need to provide um, financial sustenance for your family. That's an important why you need to have cash flowing assets for if God forbid, you know, there's something happens or there's a rainy day. Yes. But then the why is me. I personally love what I'm doing. It makes me happy. I think I'm in turn a better mother um, than I was before because I'm doing something that makes me happy. What's up, tribe? It's your host, Jerome. I just want to let you know that we put together a free 15-point checklist for exiting the matrix. Jump on over to dreamshouldbereal.com in order to pick your free copy up. Let's get back to the show. This was amazing. Thank you so much for being so vulnerable with the audience. This is phenomenal. I, I don't think most people have the courage to talk about that. And I think when we compare money to life, we get really clear about what's truly important. And it's life, especially for a mom to have their baby in the hospital for four years or four months. Like, yeah, yeah. That's, that's wow. Thank you so much for that. So sure. you, you mentioned, I yeah, I, I didn't know if you were going to go. So this is so good. Thank you so much. So, all right. So you decide I'm not going to just stay in bed. I'm going to be more, I'm going to start walking on my purpose. You start exploring, you knock on the door at the realtor. She says, yeah. Or the broker, she says, yeah, you need to be a uh, residential before you can do commercial. And then you move over to commercial, you have some success, you get referred, and then you just drop numbers casually. You said $300 million in commercial real estate transactions. You said $30 million in like six or eight months raise. Those are numbers that take people an entire lifetime. But you've come in and done some really big things. So break that down for me. Like, to me, it seems like you've been rewarded for the pain, the arduous journey that you've made. And it's just showing up, but you're doing things the right way. What, what is the, like, what's the secret sauce? And I mean, the funny part is you said you enjoy it. Most people are grinding, they're fighting, they're trying to force it. And you're saying, oh, it's my hobby. I do this and, you know, it's okay. You know, like, talk to me about that because that's such a unique perspective. And I think it's one only a woman can have. 
Yeah. Well, it is my hobby, but it doesn't stop me from being persistent and responsive and responsible. So yes, I love what I'm doing, but I don't take my, my role for granted and I won't let a client down because I'm here to like make connections and please the client. That's what I like to do. I want to make people happy. So I'm not, yes, it's my, it's my hobby, but I don't want it to be taken out of context that I, oh, I do it only when it's convenient for me. I'm on a roll. It's, I'm on 24 seven. It's literally the kids and this. That's it. So just wanted to clarify that. But how'd I get that? How'd I get there? So some of the numbers are actually our own. Um, we started coming from the business world. Um, my husband was, he was always in real estate, but he never dived into it as much as he did now that I got into it. So that was very interesting that um, we started like really going at it full force. So some of those numbers are personal um, investments. And then I think, um, I think my reputation just, you know, took hold. And I think people realize that, that it's just when someone comes and they're committed and they're doing something, they come back, they come back to me. So you have repeat clients just from one transaction that I did between two people. I think I, I, um, that in turn gave me another six transactions. So it's the happy clients that come back and they're like, Oh, you know, we like working with you. We're going to refer you to the next person. We're going to give you this property to list. Oh, by the way, we're looking for X property. So it's a snowball effect. Um, yes, I was very blessed to make some very good connections as well. So everything's a blessing. I don't take that for granted. Um, yeah, so I guess it's between between the luck and and the hard work. It's that's how it's snowballed out. And I feel like I'm still figuring out what to do. You know, I feel like um, like I told you before, like three and a half years ago, I didn't know what a mortgage was. And I'm still learning and I'm not embarrassed to say that I'm still learning. You know, everyone starts at a certain baseline every day. I learn and grow. I listen to every podcast I can. I love yours. Um, I listen to any advice I can, you know, I'm receptive and open to hearing and I don't stop, you know, I don't stop learning and growing. So um, I feel like I'm just getting started. I'm actually working on now that it's actually growing faster than I ever imagined. I tried to keep up with myself so I'm working right now on a website to help automate things and brand myself. Um, it's hopefully going to come out within the week or two. I'm very excited about that. And then hopefully I'm going to be growing a team. And I have like people that are knocking at my doors begging me to hire them. So um, I just keep on saying I can't. I'm not set up for that yet. I need to get my website started. I just need to become more official and figure it out before I actually hire someone. So I'm definitely working on that because um, I cannot keep up with the demand at this point, which is an amazing problem to have. But I feel like I'm honestly just getting started. Wow. This is outstanding. I'm so excited to be on this part of the journey. Cause like when you're like super big, like uh, the lady from Shark Tank, Cochran or whatever, like, People aren't going to be able to get in contact with you. And I will be able to say that Esther came on my show and told yeah. us all about the hardship and heartaches and how she fought through it and showed everybody that their dreams could be real, too. So I am super They'll excited. They'll always have VIP access. Yes. <laughs> yes. Okay. So, all right, let's move into... But, but talking about that, I'm very like a personable person. Like I... 
I still have, I still, I'm still the same. It's funny. Like people are like, Oh, you know, you have all that money. You can do what you want whatever. I'm like, you know, I'm still the same simple person. Like I don't, I don't go for brand names or, you know, like that. I'm still like, uh, I'll still talk to you, to everybody, you know? For sure. Now, if we didn't talk about this, and I think we absolutely should. What, like, practices in your health that help you stable and steady? Because as you said, I think most people would have broke. So are you, like, praying, meditating, exercising? Like, talk to me about that. Oh, yeah, I try to, I try to um, physically, like, try to eat healthy and, and exercise. I try my best, you know, in between the kids and work. I think that's um, very important. I think it's priority to stay healthy. Um, sometimes I really have to, like, make time to get on that treadmill and, you know, do that daily um, workout. But what I started doing actually lately is just going on the treadmill, like really, really slow and working as I'm on the treadmill, just I'll go two miles an hour, but I'll be on it for like an hour. So it's, it's fine as long as I'm moving. You know? So at least I could fit that in, you know, as long as I don't fall off the treadmill, like while my phone answering <laughs> emails and stuff. Um, so I try, I really make that a priority. I think that that is a priority and you know something, there are no excuses. If I could do it with eight kids working full time, get it on the treadmill, anyone can do it. So, um, I think it's it's a priority that has to be taken. Health is number one because that's your f- first life insurance. You know, if you want to be there for your family, be there for your kids. Emotional, physical, mental, spiritual health is definitely um, priority. Um, as a spiritual in the spiritual aspect, um, I'm more of a practical person. I should say, I don't personally sit there and meditate. I don't know. I never. Um, related to that, I just do what I need to do. Like I just, I just make no excuses and I just get up and go. Like I'm very realistic and I'm very um, goal oriented. So I'm like, okay, what needs to be done now? That has, that gets done now. Some people sit and meditate, which is beautiful, but then you have to take action. You have to get going. You know. So I'm like the action person. I just get going, get moving. You know. Okay. This morning, my daughter missed her bus by a minute. Okay, got up and drove 25 minutes each way to school. So, um, you know, you just get up and go. You, you have no choice. Things happen. You know, life changes. Life evolves. It doesn't always go as as planned. You know, I always say like 10% of life is what happens. 90% is how you react to it. So it's all a matter of perspective and attitude and just taking action. So that's my... That's my belief system, I guess you can say. Now, we talked a little bit yesterday and you were talking about some struggles you have with your diet, right? And so can you talk a little bit about eating kosher and how that impacts your ability to stay healthy? Because I think it absolutely helps. Yes. So that's a challenge. Yesterday I was in Orlando and I was talking to you and I was stuck in the middle of nowhere and there wasn't any kosher food right there. So um, they're actually very limited. And my kids wanted a snack. So we went to 7-Eleven and there's very limited things that we can get. You know, the kosher things have to have a symbol, either an OU or an OK. So they went to the store and they chose, they looked around and found different snacks and different symbols that they were able to eat. And, you know, they always check with me if it's kosher, but I don't eat those snacks. So 
for me, like if, you know, if I come across a banana or an apple, I'll eat that. I try to stay away from sugar and junk. So uh, it's more of a challenge for me than for my kids. But, you know, I always try to have something on me to, you know, just in case I ever go hungry, like whether it's a fruit or some nuts or um, a healthy sandwich, you know, I try to prepare in advance. So that um, helps me stay grounded and helps me not eat something that I didn't want to eat. For sure. And so for the listeners yes, who... The eating kosher is a challenge. What does it mean to be co- eat kosher? Eating kosher means that we don't mix milk and meat. So we don't eat any dairy products together with meat products. We don't mix, let's say, um, we don't eat cheese and meat together. We won't eat that together. We have We wait between cheese to meat, we wait one hour. And between meat to cheese or dairy or milk, we wait six hours. So it really um, trains us to have boundaries in our life. And, you know, it trains us to be stronger people because not everything has to be a yes, yes, yes. You know, there are times that you can't eat that thing. And, you know, it's, it actually, I always say it's, it's a benefit. You learn boundaries, you learn what's allowed, you learn what's not allowed. And life isn't always like a free for all, like you can't have everything you want. So it actually helps like with mindset, like, or, or with business and life when things don't go great, it's life, you know, yes, things don't always go my way and it's, it's okay. But, you know, and then you work on making things better for yourself and not everything is going to go perfect. Like talk about real estate, you know, I've worked on some deals for months and months and months and then they just fell through. So that's part of, that's part of it. You know, it's part of the journey. It's part of the, um, it's part of life. You know, things happen, you move on, you go on to the next. I think it has, I think I got that sort of from the religious um, restrictions, so to say. And one of them is eating kosher. You learn, yes, you learn the difference between yes and no and how to move on and, and um, roll with it. Got it. Got it. Got it. Thank you for breaking that down for us. And so, as we start to wrap up the episode and move into the level six, which is significance, I wanted to talk a little bit about your approach to life. And so what would you say the biggest difference is in your approach to life today versus back when you were in Brooklyn? Oh, such a good question. So when I was in Brooklyn, I was, I was like this party girl. Um, I was just going out every night. I'm a social bug. I love to meet people to go out. I was um, going out daily. So I think also moving from Brooklyn to Rockland was like a massive culture shock for me. And in combination with my son's whole story, there's another <laughs> bomb that I never shared before um, that literally like pulled me down so much because I, w- I moved to the suburbs where it's quieter and different. And I didn't have my set of friends that I can go walking with every day. I literally like had a list in Brooklyn. Like if one friend wasn't available, I'd call <laughs> the next one. And, and I was out every other night um, so here I had to like tone down a bit um, and it was just a life changing. It's only an hour and a half away, but it was so different for me. And I think I had the hardest time adjusting more than my husband and my kids because of my personality. Um, so I really, really hit rock bottom when I moved. Now that I found this journey and that I found, I think this is my calling because it feeds my my extrovertness and being a commercial real estate broker and investor and 
an investment manager, I feel like it's, it's totally me because I love to network. I consider myself a serial networker. So um, I, I really like found something that I love and I feel like I'm so much happier now than I was back then because I'm doing something that I absolutely love. I don't know if that answers your question, but. It does. It does. It does. And you, what I think happened was you're taking the same things and skills that you were using that weren't like for your best good. And you're applying them to something that you actually fuels you and allows you to make a big impact, not just for your family, but for people all over the world. So I, I think it absolutely does. Yeah. It's all, it's not also about money. It's also like about teaching people. And um, I, I, I started writing a you know, real estate column for a magazine because I'm like, whatever I learn, I want to teach the next person. I also get to highlight, I get to like highlight other people's stories, which I love doing as well. So I like to share other people. And also like, it's, let's say the situation that happened with my son, I was able to help so many mothers in similar situations just by sharing my story and letting people know that I went that went through that, people reached out to me. So it's, you know, it's, I love to give. I love to give. I, I love to make others happy. Um, so it's not just, you know, a money thing. It's also like, what value can you provide to others? What can you share with others? What knowledge can you help others with? Um, you know, what kind, what kind deed can you do for the next person? So I think all that is like super important to me. Absolutely. It's important for me too. And I appreciate you clarifying that because a lot of people think the only like value exchange you can have is giving money, but there's so much more that you can do for people. So thanks for pointing that out. What are you most grateful for? I am grateful for life. Oh, number one, I had two like crazy stories in the last week that I um, last night, our plane got diverted in the flight and that was like a little scare. And then um, several days ago, we almost, we live on a cliff and our car went skidding and that was very scary. Um, we live on a 50 foot drop. So I'm very grateful to be alive. Number one, I am grateful for my husband. I have just a phenomenal, supportive, um, amazing spouse that um, just treats me like a queen and I'm forever, you know, grateful for that beyond. Um, I am beyond blessed with my beautiful eight children. Thank God. Um, they're so amazing. Each one of them like just inspires me and teaches me and they get to watch me uh, working and me doing um what I love and enjoy and they watch me working hard. So I feel like that's helping them, you know, helping mold them into being um, little people. Um, so I'm grateful beyond for them, for, you know, the gift of eight healthy children. And I'm grateful for the every day being alive is, is a daily blessing. I'm thankful and I'm grateful to have met you and all the LinkedIn connections. Oh, thank you. I don't think I've ever been mentioned in the grateful section. So this is awesome. Thank you so much. <laughs> Which stream are you most focused on catching next? Oh, I'm open to any opportunity that comes my way. Like, uh, same. I don't limit it to any dream. I'm, I'm open to it all. I'm open to all the greatness, really. And really, my, my dream is you know, my goal is like to help more people. We're very into helping people. We, um, you know, give a lot of charity and we help out as much as we can emotionally, physically, you know, wherever we can. So I think that's, that's like, um, that's the ultimate dream is to be there for others, help others, 
um, try to raise some good kids along the way um, and dreams. I'm just, I'm just open for it all. Like I'm ready. I think I'm living the dream. Yeah. I'm trying to stay focused and present here. So yes, I, I'm, I, I realize that every day is a gift. Every day is a dream, but uh, I'm open to all opportunities. Bring them on. <laughs> okay. So Essie, we're down to the final two questions. And the first one is what gift are you giving the world? So I, like I said before, I think um, giving, giving wherever I can, um, whether it's money or support or, you know, sometimes if a friend needs me to drive her to the doctor's office, you know, I'm there. I think that's important to be there for your friends, be there for your family, be there for people. Like, uh, I think that's what I can give. I, I, you know, I, I feel like I'm, I'm me and I'm, you know, transparent and honest. And I feel like I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I really mean it. I mean to be well, I mean to help. So I feel like wherever I can, I try to be there for the next person as as much as my time allows. Beautiful. And then the final question is what's the one thing you want the listeners to take away from this episode? So hearing my whole story of how I changed careers and, you know, I, I'm 36 years old and three and a half years ago, I switched careers. I think never hold yourself back. Never say like, oh, I'm stuck in a certain situation and that's it. There's always, there's always the next opportunity. There's always something else. Like you can, you can look back and, you know, say either, okay, I lived in this dreadful situation for so long, or you can get out of it and go on to the next thing. It's never too late. It's never too late. It's never too late. Thank you so much for being a dream catcher. Thank you so much for being so transparent and vulnerable with the folks here today. I think anybody who listens to this episode is going to get tremendous value because they're going to see the social proof that you just shared with all of us. Thank you so much. And we'll talk soon. Thanks for having me on. This was fun. Thank you for joining the tribe today. We would love to hear from you. Please don't forget to rate, like, and share. Perhaps someone you know could benefit from what we've discussed. Until the next time, remember that your dreams should be real.